Hi, I'm Lori, and I want to welcome you to the Awakening Moments podcast. And I'm Rhonda. Lori and I are pastors here in Ottawa, Canada, and we're both wives, moms, and most importantly, daughters and servants of God. And it's our hope and prayer that you would have awakening moments with us as we wrestle through the hard things in life. Lori and I love that we can share our lives with you, so grab your tea or coffee and let's awaken our hearts together. talk about how the game of go fish even plays. So does everyone know how to play go fish? Most of us? Okay. If you don't know how, it's okay. I'm going to explain it to you because you need to know how to play in order for me to explain this. So the game of go fish, everyone gets five cards. Now, if you're playing at different levels, some people do more cards, but we're going to say five cards. And the goal is that you have these cards, you keep them hidden. You do not want other people to know your cards because if other people know your cards, Bad luck. Like, you're, on, you're not going to get very far. Because the aim of the game, ooh, that rhymes. The aim of the game. The aim of the game is to make pairs. So let's say I have, like, some queens and kings and other numbers that are great. My goal is to make pairs, and the person with the most pairs at the end of the game will win. Right? So at the end of the game, once there are no cards left, if you have the most pairs, you win. And... But this is the key. The key element that makes this game unique is that, let's say I have cards and they're hidden. I need to ask the other opponents if they have the card that I need. And I need to say, do you have a queen of hearts? And if the person has it, they have to give it to you. There's no lying in this game, which I'm like, wow. That's that's interesting because a lot of card games, it's like, you know, the game cheat, like you're trying to lie. But this game, you actually have to be honest because if you're not honest in the game, it's not going to work. Like the game will just spiral down and be like, oh, well, we're not playing a game. Sorry. But so if I say, do you have a queen of hearts? And the person says, yes, they have to give it to me. If they don't have it, they say, go fish. That's the, the aim of the game. So how this relates to us, you're like, okay, we're talking about fish, we're talking about games, that's great. How does this relate to us? And how does this relate to actually running to Jesus with our, the things that we hold so dear in our hearts? And I want to tell you a scripture. It's in Matthew. And it's kind of like the heart of this whole workshop. And it's in Matthew 7, 7 to 12. And this is what it says. It says, ask and the gift is yours. Seek and you'll discover. Knock. The door will be opened. For every persistent one will get what he asked for or she asked for. Every persistent seeker will discover what they long for. And everyone who knocks persistently will one day find an open door. Do you know of any parent who would give his hungry child who asked for food a plate of rocks instead? Or when asked for a piece of fish, what parent would offer his child a snake instead? If you, imperfect as you are parents, know how to lovingly take care of your children and give them what's best, how much more ready is your heavenly Father to give wonderful gifts to those who ask? That's a good one. It's a good one. And it's speaking about how often when we seek God, essentially we need to trust that he will give us what we're seeking for. But sometimes what we ask him for, he withholds because it's actually not the best thing. Because we look at our lives and we say, listen, th- Lord, I'm so ready to grow up and move out and like get my life together. And I really would love this from you. But sometimes God withholds stuff from us because he actually knows we're not ready for it yet. 
and he actually knows what's best for us. And it ties into that whole element of like, we need to trust that Jesus knows what's best for us. But that's often hard to do. I totally get you with that. Lately, I've been like, okay, Lord, I would really love to know what I'm doing in school because I don't really want to be here. I'm at university. And I was, God, I felt God lead me and say, I need you to go to university. But when often God reveals stuff to us, kind of tying to the obedience piece, we want to be obedient, but we sometimes we don't know the reason. So these are three ways that we can actually seek God, that we can actually draw near to Jesus and things that we actually need to do in order to become close to him. And there are things where it's like, Kayla, I've heard this a lot. They're pretty simple things. But listen, back to our vegetables. <laughs> we know that we need to eat vegetables unless you're allergic to veggies. I had a friend who couldn't eat raw vegetables. It was a real thing. She didn't make it up. Like the doctors told her it was a real thing. Um, <laughs> These are things that we know we should do, but often we don't do it. And I think if we actually are real with ourselves and we address some of these things, our lives will be very different. So I'm going to tell you a story. A story that is in the Bible. It's in Luke 15, and it starts in verse 11. And I'm going to kind of do like Kayla's spark notes version. So, I mean, if you want to go read the whole story, go for it. But I'm just going to like skim through it. And it's a story of two sons and their loving father. Like, in the Passion Translation, which is a, a translation in the Bible, it's actually titled The Loving Father, which I think is so cool because in the scripture we just read earlier where it says, if you who are loving parents know to give your child food and not rocks, how much more does your heavenly father know to give good things to you? So here we go. We're going to jump right into it. If you have your Bibles, you can follow along in Luke 15, starting in verse 11. And this is the story of a father and two sons. So there's once a father with two sons. The younger son came to his father and said, Father, first of all, if any of, these, if any of us said this to our parents, I feel like our parents would be like, what are you doing? Because, like, that is hev like, you are entitled, child. Like, go to your room. I'm selling all your toys and electronics. Sorry. Anyways, this is what he said. I was like, this boy. He's, the younger son came to his father and said, Father, don't you think it's time to give me the share of your estate that belongs to me? So the father went ahead and distributed among the two sons their inheritance. Shortly afterward, the younger son packed up all of his belongings and traveled off to see the world. Wow. Party time. He journeyed to a far-off land where he soon wrestled, sorry, soon wasted all he was given in a binge of extravagant and reckless living. Fancy. With everything spent and nothing left, he soon grew hungry, for there was a severe famine in that land. So he begged a farmer in that country to hire him. The farmer hired him and sent him out to feed the pigs. The son was so hungry that he was even, this is like, oh man, I don't even want to think about this. Like, ooh, yucky. The son was so hungry that he was willing to even eat the pig's food because no one else would feed him a thing. Humiliated, the son realized what he was doing and he thought, there are many workers at my father's house whom all have food and plenty to share. They lack nothing. Why am I here hungry, feeding these pigs and eating their food? I want to go back to my father's house and say to him, Father, I was wrong and I've sinned against you. I'll never be worthy to be called your son, but just treat me like an employee. That's all he wanted. He said, you know what? I know I was your son, but then I kind of was really entitled and asked for some crazy things. And then I wasted all those things, and now I'm coming back. He said, I don't even want, like, you don't even need to call me your son. Just let me live with you. Like, I'll work for you. 
So the young son sent off for home. From a long distance away, his father saw him coming, dressed as a beggar. And great compassion swelled up in the father's heart for his son. He was returning home. So this is like, like that line. And great compassion swelled up in his heart for his son. He was returning home. So the father raced out to meet him. He swept him up in his arms, hugged him dearly, and kissed him over and over again with such a tender love. And his son said, Father, I've wronged you. I've sinned against you. I could never deserve to be called your son. Never. Just let me be. The father interrupted and said, son, you're home now. That's what the father said. The father said, son, you're home now. And turning to his servants, the father quickly said, quick, bring me the best robe, my very own robe, and I will place it on his shoulders. Bring the ring, the seal of sonship, so it signified like inheritance, the seal of sonship, and I will put it on his finger and bring out the best shoes you can find for my son. Let's prepare a feast and celebrate. For this beloved son of mine was once lost and dead, but now he's alive again. He is found. And everyone celebrated with joy. And here's the thing. Jesus is cool. I remember how I said I was going to tell you three things um, that are important. Remember that? No one remember that? Three things? Okay, so thank you. Who said yes? Thanks, Kate. Love that. Here's the thing. As I was reading that, I really felt like Je- we'll get to it, maybe. Um, but I really actually felt like as I was reading that, the Lord said that there's someone in this room that you don't actually believe that Jesus loves you. That, like, you hear it all the time, right? Bible, if you've grown up, grown up in church, say, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones. Okay, anyways, that's the song. But I don't think we actually believe it. Because if we were to put ourselves in this story, let's say we were the son, and we lived in this amazing house, and we had everything that we needed, and one day, maybe it's a bad decision we've made. Maybe we just are, like, afraid of what God's going to think of us, and we've kind of strayed away, and we've left, and we've said, you know what, God, I don't want you to know what's inside, because if you were to know, I don't think you'd actually love me. But here's the thing. God is like the loving father in this story. God is like the father who says, daughter, you're home now. Like before you even say a thing, before you say, but God, I know I messed up and I don't really want to show you the ugly stuff and I'm sorry. God, he'll interrupt you and he'll say, you're home now. You're home now. That it doesn't matter where you've been. Your story matters and your, your history matters, but it doesn't define you. It doesn't define where you're at right now. And Jesus doesn't look at that. He doesn't sit there with his paper and say, did you do this? Minus two points. Did you do this? Oh, you get, congratulations, you get plus three points. He doesn't do that. He doesn't take an inventory of, of the things that you feel you're falling short of. And I really think it's interesting because this week, these past two weeks as I've been preparing for this, I've been sitting down trying to prepare, trying to write out this nice little, little thing to share with you guys. But God has challenged me in the most loving way. Kind of what Pastor Rhonda said. Jesus sometimes reveals stuff in our life, not because he's mad at us, but because he actually loves us. It says in the Bible, in the New Testament, that an unloving parent doesn't discipline their child. That a loving parent disciplines their child. And it's not like, go to your room, you did this, it's bad. But he says, hey, listen, he'll so gently say, have you thought of this? Do you realize you're believing these lies? 
And two weeks, these past two weeks, I remember so clearly I was in my car and Jesus told, he, I heard his voice. And here's the thing, hearing God, often we're like, hello, Kayla, it's me. Often it's not that. Hearing the voice of God is often like the promptings, like there'll be a thought that comes into your mind of like joy. The word joy will pop into your mind or something that presses on your heart. And as you begin to spend time with Jesus, more and more and more you'll begin to hear his voice. But I was in the car listening to my worship music. I was like, yes, hill song, you know, jamming out. And Jesus said, Kayla, and I heard, I heard him speak it to me. He said, Kayla, if I were to sit in front of you, like in the flesh, Jesus in the flesh. I know it's like way out there. Just bear with me, okay? I'm getting somewhere with this. If I were to sit in front of you and say, Kayla, I love you, would you believe me? And like in my churchy way, I was like, of course, Jesus, I would believe you. I believe everything you say. But then he, I felt like he asked again. He said, Kayla, if I were to sit in front of you and look you in the eyes, would you believe that I love you? And I feel like in this moment, Jesus wants to ask that question to you. And I want you to be real before God, and I want you to be real with yourselves. If Jesus were here, and he were to look right at you, you were one-on-one in a room, and he were to say, my daughter, I love you, would you believe him? Would you actually believe him? Because from my instinct, my immediate response was like, yes. But then I started reflecting, and I said, wait a second. I don't know if I would. And it's not because I don't want to. Like, I actually really want to believe that Jesus loves me. And it's truth. Jesus does love you. But sometimes what happens is we make all these excuses of why Jesus shouldn't love us. And we put all these walls up, and it's like little bricks. We have these little bricks, and we put them up like, Jesus, this is why you shouldn't love me. And this is another reason why you shouldn't love me. And we build this wall. This wall that God didn't build. God didn't put a barrier there. Whether it's sin, whether it's the things in your life that you do in hiddenness or knowingly, right? Whether it's doing things to hurt other people, to hurt yourself. Like, we build these walls. And then we say, where is God? I wonder where God is. And we get angry at God. And I've been there. Trust me, I'm the first one to put my hand up. Because I've been in seasons where I've been feeling so stuck And so alone, and I'm sitting there, and I'm like, Lord, I know you love me, but, like, clearly not, because I don't see you anywhere in my life. But it's actually been the bricks that we've taken, whether it's, like I said, sin against ourselves, against other people. We build up this wall. Maybe it's even lies. Lying is a sin. And I know you're like, okay, yes, I know, Kayla, I read the thing, yes. But actually, what I think is profound is it's not just lying about someone else. When you believe the lies about yourself, you're like lying to yourself. Because God says that you have a plan and a purpose. God says that he loves us. So when we build up these lies and say, no, God must not love me. No, God didn't create me for purpose. Like, I'm just kind of here and like whatever. We're lying against the very things that God says that we are. And we sit in that place and we say, God, where are you? And we get upset. Maybe we just feel like, you know, I'm done. But the reality is that God didn't go anywhere. But it's what have we built up around us. And here's the thing. I'm going to go back to that scripture we read earlier. Ask and the gift is yours. Like promises. We talked about promises earlier in the service. That God, his word is truth. And it says ask and the gift is yours. 
Seek and you'll discover it. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who is persistent will get what he asks for. Every consistent seeker will discover what they long for. Like that's a promise. So if you're in this space where you're like, I just feel stuck. I just feel like I don't know what to do. Like I know Jesus loves me. Coming back to our question of do you believe Jesus actually loves you? What is stopping you from believing that he loves you? Like, be real with yourself. I'm, I'm not going to tell you what to do. I'm not going to tell you. Just, you know what, just, just believe Jesus loves you. Because honestly, people can tell us, and community is so important. You need community to, tell, to remind us of this. But I cannot convince any one of you that Jesus loves you. No matter what I say, no matter what I do, it is something that I can say, this is truth, because God's word speaks it. But unless you believe it for yourself, you're still in that place. Unless you start taking those bricks down one at a time. And here's the cool thing, guys. Girls. Ooh, sorry. God can literally take a bulldozer to the wall in a moment. But sometimes he has us do it brick by brick because there's purpose in that. Sometimes there's things that he wants us to take apart slowly. That he wants to take apart brick by brick because there's purpose. Because he can do it in a moment. And for some of you in this room, those things that you feel like you're holding on to, he can do it in a moment. For others of us, and I probably relate to this more, he has us on this beautiful journey of taking those lies down. Taking down the sin. Him taking down the sin and transforming us. But comparison will always try and convince you that you should be doing the other thing that you're not. Comparison will always come and say, you know, look at that person. I mean, they received what they wanted from God like this. What about you? The enemy twists the truth. Adam and Eve in the garden. You guys remember the story? The enemy, God had told Adam and Eve in the garden, don't eat from this one tree, okay? Like, there was all these trees and one tree. And what did they do? Right from the tree. Come on. Come on, guys. Gosh. But here's the thing. They ate from the tree not because they're like, you know what? That tree looks real good. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go eat that tree. No. They ate from the tree because the enemy came and he twisted the truth. And he said, did God really say? Did God really say that? And I think the enemy likes to come do that in our lives. Does God really love you? Did God really set you free? And he twists the truth. And we stay in this place where we're actually still feeling stuck. Because comparison will always come to rob us. But God is like the loving father in this story. Maybe you've ran super far. Maybe you've even lived in, like, you're like, you know what, my track record with God is pretty good. Like, I mean, I look at my life, I've been in church, and I've been, like, the reality is there are things that we are carrying, and it's, I love how Jesus works because it's such a theme of this weekend. There's things that we often hold on to when, that are preventing us from going back to the Father. Just like that song at the beginning said, run to the Father again and again and again. And here's, look at how cool this is. In verse 17, when the son realized, like, what am I doing? Why am I so far from the father? It says that he was humiliated. Shame will always try and give you reasons not to run to God. Always. The enemy will always say, you know what? You're too far gone. It's not even worth it. Just forget about it. I mean, does God even really care? And there will be all these reasons of why you shouldn't go to God. 
And there'll be all these reasons of why you should not be loved by God. But those are lies. Because in this story, the son realized that, like, I need, like, I need my father. I need to, it says, I love it here. He says, I want to go back to my father's house. My father's house. And even though he didn't know how the father would respond, the father in the story ran to him. So just like our journey, if you're in the session with the backpack, you feel like you're, oh my gosh, Jesus, I'm walking, I'm walking. But Jesus actually says, I'm running to you. I'm running to you where you're at, but you just, you just need to say, Lord, I, need, I want it. Jesus, I want it. And tying into our game of Go Fish, the first thing, these are the three points I was originally going to talk about. Here we go. The three points, the first thing is that we need to ask in order to hear the answer. Just like in the game of Go Fish, if you don't ask, it ain't going to happen. Like, you will not get anywhere if we're not asking. And it's so simple. You're probably like, yes, Kayla, when I was a baby, my mom or dad always taught me that if you want something, you need to ask. Like, if I need to go to the bathroom, you need to use your words to say to go to the bathroom. Or if I want water, right, little kids, when they're taught this. But the thing is, as we grow up, we kind of forget how important this is in our relationship with God. Because, like in Matthew, it says, ask and the gift is yours. But we need to ask. Like, there's action involved. So let's say you're in a place where you feel like you're wrestling. Like, oh, man, I know Jesus loves me, but I don't actually believe it. And you feel like there's that wall, whatever it may be, in the wall of your bricks. The first place you need to start is you need to say, God, you need to ask God. And you need to say, God, I want to be close to you. I want you to take these things out of my life. I don't want to walk with insecurity anymore. I don't want to walk with shame. I want to know who I am and walk fully in that. But if you don't ask, how are we supposed to expect anything? As daughters of God, like the son in the story asked for his inheritance, as daughters of God, he actually wants us to ask. He actually is saying, I have so much more for you than what you're holding in your hand. But if you don't ask me, I can't give it to you. Because God is a kind God and he is a gentleman. He will never force himself upon you. He will never say, here you go, and shove it in your face. He'll never do that. Because he waits for us to be willing to ask. To take that step and ask him. Say, God, whether it's a question, maybe it's a question like, God, like, why am I in this season? God, what do you want me to do at school? God, what do you, some of you are in grade 12, and you're getting up there. You're getting old. I'm joking. And the reality is, you're like, oh, my gosh, I'm getting stressed. Like, what am I going to do with my life? I was there, 12, grade 12 Kayla was a hot mess, okay? I was, like, <laughs> crying every day. I'm like, I'm just going to stay in high school forever. I don't want to grow up. But if we don't ask God what he wants us to do with our futures, how do you expect a response? You don't ask him about the questions you may have. How are you going to learn? If we don't ask, we're not going to receive. The second thing is this. Just like in a game of Go Fish where you need to trust the other player that they're telling the truth. Because if not, the game won't work. You need to trust God. Now, you're probably like, Kayla, listen, you need to relax because trusting God is a lot harder than you're just saying. It's not just like, go trust God, have fun, everyone, okay, bye, you're dismissed. No, it's actually trusting God is hard. 
it's not the easiest thing because often we trust ourselves more than we trust God. Who say like, I mean, in my strength, I can I can do like a pretty good job, you know? Like I'm, I can do it. I can fix myself. I'm good. I'll fix myself. We make a list of things and we say, okay, this is everything in my life that all the bricks in my life that I see. Okay, here we go. Here's the wall. Hmm, the wall's over here. Sorry, I don't know why I looked at it. Here's the wall. Okay, and I want to punch it down. I'm gonna try. Excuse me, if you try punching a wall, unless you're like some ninja, what do you think is gonna happen? You're going to break your hand. It's not going to be good. It's hard to take down the things on our own. It's hard to actually, without asking God and trusting that he'll do it, it's hard, guys. I'm not going to be up here and be like, it's easy. Follow Jesus and your life will be perfect for the rest of your life. Because it's not easy. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. <laughs> he didn't say, in this world, you might have trouble. It's like a 50-50, uh, maybe 60-40%. No, he's like, you will have trouble. There will be hard times. There will be things that you need to take down from the wall. But it's not you taking them down. It's God. You're asking God, Lord, I trust that you're taking these things down in my life. But you need to trust the other player. And it's something that, again, I can't convince you of. I can't convince you to trust God. I can't even convince me to trust God because the thing is, it's something we don't have to do in our own strength. We can actually say, Jesus, I just want to trust you more. It's all back to asking. I want to trust you more. Show me how to do that. Show me how to believe in your word. Show me how to live this out. Trust. You need to trust the other player. Just like the son in our story trusted that when he returned home, that somehow his father would be gracious to him. The third point is this. You need to be willing to lay down, you need to be willing to surrender some cards in order to pick up the others that actually may be needed for you to win and thrive. This is in the context of our game, Go Fish. But in life, there are things that we need to be willing to let go of to receive all that God has for us. We actually need to do it. Maybe it's part of our wall. We're all coming back to the wall. That wall that we feel separates us from us and God. Where we're sitting there and we're saying, where is God's love? Like, why doesn't Jesus love me? Like, I mean, I know he's there, but why isn't he there? Maybe it's because actually we need to start saying, God, I can't do it in my own strength. God, I have all these things that I'm holding on to and all these lies, believing that I'm not loved. But you need to lay it down. And from that point, Jesus will begin to do a deep work in your heart. I, every single one of these things, I cannot convince you to do. I can't say enough good, I can't say the perfect words to say, you know what, you need just to ask God and just trust him and surrender. It's something that if you actually care about, you need to own. You need to say, listen, God, I'm going to ask you questions. I'm going to trust that what your word says is true. Because the Bible is true. Guaranteed. It is true what God speaks. And we need to surrender some of the things that we're holding on to. Because when we're holding on to those things, we're not able to receive what God has for us. Like if I have a handful of candy, I love candy, and I want something else, and I only have one hand open, like I can't physically receive without letting go, emptying my hand, and receiving something new. And God has beautiful things in his hand for you. He really does. He has freedom. 
He has joy. He has love. He has so much love for us. But if our hand is so closed and we're so, we feel stuck in that place, and we're not willing to ask, we're not willing to trust, and we're not willing to let go and receive it, we're not, it's hard. He'll still show it to us. Because just like if your hand's shut and you have stuff in it, like if someone tries to put something on top, like you can kind of get away with it. You know what I mean? You can kind of walk for so long, and it's like it's just kind of sitting there, and you're like, I got some of this. And God is so gracious that he'll, he will show you his love, and he'll show you his goodness. But you will not be able to receive the fullness of it until you let go. Because you, you can't play both games. There's no in-between. So as we get ready to close, that's what I want you girls to remember. I want you to remember that knowing God loves us is bigger than just saying Jesus loves me. If that's, if that's what it is for you, amazing. But I think if you were to actually reflect and say, like, wait, does Jesus love me? First of all, I can tell you, guarantee, yes, he does. <laughs> that nothing you do can separate you, him from you and his love for you. But what walls are you putting up? What things are you putting up in your life that actually are, like, blocking you from experiencing his fullness? He's, like, on the other side of the wall. He's, like, hello, hi, I'm here. You know when you're trying to get into a house, someone's house, and you're, like, looking through the window, and you're, like, it's kind of creepy, unless it's your friend. You're like, hello, hi. And then your friend's not, this is if you're really good friends. You go around the back of the house, and you're like, is, oh, is it open? Oh, it's not open. Not going to lie, one time I climbed in my basement window because it was locked, because I couldn't get into my house. So God is like that on the other side of the wall. He's like, hello, hi. Like, I want to love you. I want to love you. But the things that we've so built up, he's just waiting. He's like, I just want you to ask. If you want to receive the fullness of my love, just ask. But he won't make you do it. And this morning I want to do something together. Just as a time of like really reflection. Because I believe that question about love is so vital. Like I think if we actually believed that the, lo the love that God has for us, we would live completely different lives. If we knew that the love of God... Like, if we actually, like, embraced it fully. And it's a journey. It is so a journey for the rest of our lives. Little pieces that he gives us. But insecurity would become a big, a much smaller wrestle. I'm not saying it would go away. Because it'll, all, like, like those things, it'll always try and come speak lies to you. But if we are rooted in the love of God, it's like people can say what they want because Jesus loves me. This I know. Not know, not know in our heads, because I know a lot of things in my head. I know how to make craft dinner. I know how to do a lot of things. <laughs> That's not a lot of things. I just gave you craft dinner. But we know a lot of things in our head, even about God. But do we know it in our hearts? Do we truly know it in our hearts? Because I think the moment we actually know the love that God has for us, things will be so different. Things would be so different. So in this moment, Maybe, Angela, if you don't mind putting worship on, please. Thank you. Um, in this moment, I have these little cards up here. It's a bunch of pens. And on this card, there's three words. Ask, trust, and surrender. And I would love if you girls take a moment to honestly just sit. We're going to have some worship music playing. You can spread out all over the room. Sit and ask God, Lord, what are, or just sit and think about 
what are some things that I want to ask God? What are some things that I need to ask him to start taking down in my life? What are some things that are holding me back that I need to ask him to help me in? What do you need to ask God? Maybe it's a question about God. <laughs> maybe, maybe you need to ask God or someone around you a question about God. Maybe it's like, how do I, tr- how do I know if the Bible is true? How do I actually live in community? How do I pray? How do any question, the questions that you have, there's no question that's too silly for God. We hope you enjoyed the podcast today. It would mean the world to us if you would subscribe and leave a review. You can follow us on Instagram at Awakening Moments Podcast, and you will find Lori and I at Lori Eitz Boucher and Rhonda.corto. We'd love to connect with you.